Hello, 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 and welcome to Tease Me. This is a podcast about the intersection of golf, business, and life. And occasionally we'll drop some gems on networking and just how that makes your life better. Because knowing more than one person is actually a good thing. Hello, Tease Me listeners. Thank you for joining us for another episode. You know, for this season, we focused on entrepreneurs, the hustlers, the people that are making things happen. And it's November, and I'm grateful. And this month, I just want to express gratitude. Gratitude for you all checking me out and listening to this podcast. Gratitude for us all getting through the pandemic, but then also gratitude for having the fortitude to create something that I cared about to amplify the voices of people that I think need to be heard. And this month we have a special guest, special because his experience at Original Tea planted the seed for me to continue to do the work that I do, to even imagine what's possible when you bring amazing people together on a golf course. Our guest this month is Wendell Haskins. Leadership in action is the best way to describe the journey of Wendell Haskins. In an ever-changing world where an organization's ability to understand and anticipate a broad range of trends and attributes is key, Wendell has spent more than 20 years providing corporations and organizations unparalleled proficiency and proven strategies in diversity, inclusion, and marketing, which have yielded successful results in the areas of sports, entertainment, corporate social responsibility, culture, and philanthropy. Wendell is a graduate of Hampton University and Cornell University. While with the PGA of America, Wendell served as the Director of Sports and Entertainment Relations and the Senior Director of Diversity and Multicultural Initiatives. His efforts proudly spearheaded the golf industry, advocating that Dr. Charles Charlie Sifford received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama in 2015. Wendell Haskins was a catalyst for Lee Elder being an honorary starter at the 2021 Masters. Wendell also initiated the relationships with NBA All-Stars, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, and was a catalyst for Steph Curry to become an ambassador for the PGA Junior League Golf. Wendell believes in the power of diversity, how the employment of multifaceted cultural viewpoints is beneficial to an organization and allows them the flexibility to create messages and communication that will resonate with the widest band of demographics. Wendell Haskins is also the visionary and chief experience designer of the original T Golf Classic, a golf outing designed for the movers and shakers of every industry. It's the epitome of golf. Let's welcome our guest, Wendell Haskins. You know, when we think about golf and just golf being cool and really the origin of that conversation, we have uh, the gentleman that we call the commish here, and that would be Wendell Haskins. So let's welcome Wendell to tease me. Wendell, like you're down there in Florida, you've relocated from the New York scene. Talk to us more about just what you're seeing happening in golf right now. Oh, there's so much going on in golf there. You know, the emergence of all of these new brands, you know, young people really getting involved in the game, sneaker culture really, really evolving and coming to the forefront. And these are things that I kind of predicted that would happen um, some 20 years ago that took a little bit of time, but they're finally coming to fruition. So there are a lot of really interesting things that are going on in just golf culture and just an infusion of young people and like urban culture and youth energy that's going on. It's probably going to lead to a lot of the growth in the game. Really, really exciting. And uh, and a lot of women getting into the game. You know, you're seeing a lot more. I'm certainly seeing a lot more women playing. You being one of them. I remember when you were just first trying to get your feet wet and called me about Original Tea and you came out and we welcomed you and embraced you. It's always great to see our ladies get into the game. And I try to tell them, you know, you ladies like, you're, you're a hot item out here, you know what I mean? You come out here and you can golf your ball, you get a lot of attention. So uh, you can probably attest to that because you came in, you were green, just learning how to play the game and figuring it out. And I've been watching you too. You've become quite the socialite golfer and out on the course, you've met many of my friends who invited you to things and you play with them. But all of those things are happening in, in the golf space right now that... Um, are just a value add, you know, to everything that we've seen in the past in in the traditional sense to be able to have that kind of energy infused into the sport. 
And, you know, so one of the things, so thank you for bringing that up because your friends have truly embraced me in the game. And that was my very first golf tournament ever. And it rains and I was just like overwhelmed, but it was so much fun. And what I recognize is that you created a community and a story around golf. And I don't think like this is 20 years ago and I don't know that people get their flowers um, the way that they should. And so a lot of the stuff around style, culture, golf is really originated. Oh, original T, get it? It originated, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, it really originated from the work that you were doing, bridging culture with golf. And I don't see enough like that really talk about like where the foundational part. So let's take a step back for the people that don't know that need to know the story, because if we don't tell our history, who will? Um, let's talk about the story of just original T. Like I I know the story of how you founded the name, but just the vision that you started with. Can we go back to that for the people that may not have, that may need to be reminded because, you know, it's like that little young cat talking about Nas is irrelevant. Let's talk about relevance and let's talk about the things that lay the foundation for the work that we do. Thanks, Latoya. Thanks for that acknowledgement. You know, it's always good to, you know, to have that um, acknowledgement and for people to recognize the work that I put in for, you know, 20 some years going into 24 years with the tournament. But, you know, when I got into golf, I was an A&R person, a stylist in the music business, you know? So all of my influences around me when I got into the golf were really around a very um, creative community in terms of music and fashion. And those were my real inspirations and things that I did on a regular basis. And of course, I worked with Island Records and Def Jam and Atlantic and all of the great record companies at that time. And I also did a lot of work with the NBA when I was starting to pick up the game as a young adult. And uh, certainly when I got into the game, I just felt like there was a lack of people of color, like playing the game and knowing their history. So as you probably know, um, I, I just immersed myself in the history of the game, you know. As you know, when you get the bug, you're looking at the equipment, you're reading about everything, you're getting up in the morning and playing early, you're working on stuff, you're reading. And I was just consuming everything from Ben Hogan's lessons to the history of the Masters to, you know, the history of the U.S. Open and everything that I could get my hands on to learn about this game and how to conquer it. I was I was devouring all of that reading material. And um, in in those readings and those those things that I was experiencing, I just thought there was a total lack of inclusion of Black people, you know? And I knew who some of those folks were and I'd heard of them. And uh, I was curious as to, you know, what this history was with Black people in this sport. And I started around that time going to the PGA show, merchandise show on my own, you know, totally venturing out, just taking a flight to Orlando just to see what that whole industry was about. Because I said to myself, you know, I worked in the music business. So I, there were Grammy parties and Soul Train Awards and all of these great things that really celebrated Black culture and music. And I said, I bet a lot of people don't know some of these things that I'm reading about Black people in golf. How can I create something special that makes people understand and know their history, but still cool and fun and, you know, has a great social element? that we like to see when we go to events and, and um, you know, and socialize with one another. So I said, I'm gonna try to create that for golf, you know, create a great tradition that people look forward to going to. And here I am, I work in the most popular industry and the most influential, this was before influencer was a word. I work, at, I work in one of the most influential industries in the world, which is music and sports. So I reached out to the people that I knew, a lot of them who I was doing business with and record companies and sports organizations that I worked with. The dot-com era was hot at that time. You know, dot-com was big. This I'm talking year 2000, right? So, you know, everybody had a dot-com. Money was like, people had budgets and, you know, they were spending freely. And so I just went to my community and told them I wanted to create this tournament um, that was I was going to call it the original tee golf classic because I read that a black man had invented the golf tee, the original golf tee. And another story is, you know, that someone invented another version of the tee some 15 years later after George Grant did, who largely got credit. But I said the original tee was invented by this black man, George Grant. So I want to celebrate that history and educate people on 
the history of the game, all of the people that have played it, the people of color, the black folks, the Charlie Siffers, the Lee Elders, the Renee Powell's, the Powell families, all of these things that I'd read, but it's gonna start with the original T, which was patented in 1899. So I said, I'm gonna name this tournament and this little brand, I'm gonna start the original T and the original T Golf Classic, and it's gonna be a celebration of the history of African-Americans in golf. And that's really where it started. And, um, you know, largely I went to my immediate community of friends and business partners and people that I did work with that I knew were avid golfers. Luther Campbell was one of the artists that I worked with. He had a huge influence on me because he lived in South Florida. He'd already played golf. When I would go do photo shoots and things with him, he lived on a golf course. So, you know, I was starting to, to get introduced to the game through some of my people that I'd already worked with. And then when I worked with the NBA, you know, I, I worked on the 50 Greatest Players uh, event. I'm on the floor with Dr. J and George Gervin and all these folks, and they're all talking about golf. Where'd you play golf today? Where are we going to play tomorrow? Who won what money? I'm like, wow, this golf thing is a big thing. But I bet some of these people probably don't even know some of the history of Black folks in the game. So I was able to establish the original T-Golf Classic, started it in 2000. Um, largely supported by my my peer group and people that I did business with. And then year after year, new people would come. They'd have a great experience and like what they, you know, experienced when they got there and the people that they met. So they would want to get their companies involved. New sponsors would come every year. And then it kind of became my my, my work, like my, my, my ongoing passion to drive this tournament and create, you know, a little bit pieces of apparel and things and merchandise so people can have keepsakes and tokens of uh of the event that they would be able to cherish for for a lifetime and you know the ball markers and you know the shirts and hats and things that i do that are just really unique to original tea that you cannot only get you know you can only get if you're there and uh now i've been doing it going on 24 years and i like to say you know it's probably the most uh you know, influential golf event, particularly for black people that has this kind of legacy now. So, you know, many different sponsors have come on over the years. More recently, you know, Moet Hennessy joined. The NBA has been a sponsor for a long time, actually since day one. So, so that's great. And uh, Titleist has joined me. But the big one this year, this year that came on board, who's going to be my, my community that, you know, they're called a, a, a community service kind of supporter, community supporter is Nike. Nike came on board last year, uh, this past year, and they've committed to several years in the future. So it's a really exciting time for it. And every year, it's like I plan a wedding every year. <laughs> it's like planning a wedding every year. And no, it's exciting. It's so exciting. I think one of the questions, so there are actually a few questions that come up. One is about perseverance, like knowing that the PGA is not responsive in the way that they could be to embrace like the growth of the game as a result of Tiger Woods. Like that was a huge missed opportunity when you think about diversity of the game. And then when you look at the event that you've done, every year people come back, every year gets bigger. And it really does allow for a intimate community of people that are really serious about golf. And one of the things that I often notice is that, you know, these people can really play. I, always, I knew that from day one. I'm like, they really play, like they play, play, like it's, it's serious. Um, but then in addition to that, good people that are passionate about the game whose stories don't often get told. I got the opportunity to meet Lee Elder, Charlie Stifford. I mean, like historically, historic people that are there being celebrated, but then there are no other real forums. And it's 75 years before Lee Elder really gets his accolades and he could barely appreciate it. And then he passes on soon after. So talk to me more about like perseverance and the fact that even though it might not be celebrated, that you know what you're doing matters. And maybe, even, you know, when time passes on, they'll look back and you'll be in the history book, but how do we celebrate that now? But anyway, the question was about perseverance. Well, listen, you know, as black people, we've, we've all, always had to overcome stereotypes and challenges and obstacles and all those kind of things. And we've, we're a persevering people, you know, and anything that we've ever done, pretty much we've had to establish on our own and, and continue to do it despite these challenges, right? So I, I didn't see golf as any different, particularly um, that, there, you know, I saw it as an opportunity for me because 
here is something that I feel is really important and people need to know. And I'm passionate about it. And I know that other people will appreciate this in the same way that I do once they're introduced to it properly, you know, uh, and welcomed and embraced and have experiences there that are familiar to them. And and once we get around folks and, you know, that are welcoming and like-minded people, only good things are going to happen. And I've been fortunate in my life to have some great friends and supporters and associates, not just black folks either. You know, you talk about the NBA, you know, those are some of my, you know, friends who are, you know, I mean, Caucasian friends, to be honest, who supported me from day one, you know, so, but like-minded people in terms of wanting to bring people together, wanting to move culture forward, support something that supports the youth and community and all those things. So it's really a convergence of a lot of like-minded people. And I know I've, I, I know I, I've had to persevere, but you know, coming from the music business, it's a creative business. You create things and this is your art and it's up to the other people to react to what you've created, right? So, you know, I'd worked with, you know, all of the great artists of the 90s, so to speak, in the 2000s, and here I am. I'm understanding that I am also a pioneer in this golf space in this modern era, right? So I know it's up to me to carry, you know, uh, you know, to carry that information and to be an informer, to influence and inspire others. And that is not always an easy path, right? And if, and I'm also a study, a studier, and a, and a you know, a person who appreciates history and all those things. And when you read those things, you've always had to overcome something, right? Everybody's had to either overcome something or persevere to separate themselves um, from the norm, right? Not give up. Most of the people that we, that we know and admire that have any kind of legacy have overcome something and they persevere, right? So understanding that, I understand my responsibility to help others, to inform others, and to continue my work because I know and believe how important it is. And unfortunately, you're right. Like some people don't get their accolades and recognition until many, many years later, like the Sifferds and the elders and those folks and potentially even me one day. But um, but I also realized how important it was for those people to feel the love from their community that they didn't experience in the 60s and the 70s and you know in the era and now coming into the modern era i wanted to do everything that i could to make sure that those people were embraced particularly by the black community and i wanted to be a part of that and i know i knew i was a i was a part of a very intimate conscious community of people like in sports and music and entrepreneurs and people that that had done great things so i said let me introduce these people to this world of golf so I can be the person that, you know, bridges this gap of information, of culture, brings the cool factor of music and sports to golf, bring those people in golf to culture, because a lot of times they don't experience. I mean, there's a huge gap there and a disconnect. And I felt as long as I continue to do this, I know I will be that special person who has the skill set and the knowledge of both worlds, so to speak, to be a translator for both, you know, as Steve Stout kind of says, right? Like how he's a translator for like hip hop and rap culture to corporate America. I'm this. I'm that same kind of person for golf, the golf industry, and black culture. And black so, culture doesn't always doesn't necessarily mean hip hop culture either. You know, like I am a I am of hip hop, but there's much more to black culture than just hip hop culture too, right? So. You know, knowing all of those things and bringing those people like Charlie Sifford and Lee Elder and Renee Powell to the original T Golf Classic, where you get the opportunity to meet them. They get the opportunity to feel the love from, you know, their beautiful black sisters and black babies and black kids and black executives and, you know, creatives that they don't oftentimes, even as black folks, they don't um, often converge with. Right. So they don't know some of those people in that world. And certainly a lot of us in black culture don't know who these golfers are. Like um, there were people who didn't know who Charlie Sifford was until I brought him to the original team. Now, you know, we have young people who may have been like six and seven years old. And and this is 16 late years later. And they're like 22 in their early 20s, young adults. And they're like, I met Charlie Sifford and I yep. got a picture of him. He got the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Obama. I'm, look, here's a picture with me and Charlie Sifford when I was just six. And that would have never happened. 
that experience would have never been available to them had they not come to the original Tee Golf Classic and celebrated their culture. And those are young people now that have grown up in the tournament, come every year and have been coming since they were literally young kids just getting started in the world. And now they're lifetime golfers. And, and the original Tee Tournament is the one that they look to as their beacon of what a great golf tournament is and what to expect when you get there, right? Because as you know, you probably came to your first one and you've been to many since that time. <laughs> I have a collection of things though. So I have like a whole, I need to put on, well, matter of fact, let me see it. Can the camera, well, people can't see, the camera can't move that. One of those things is from original. See, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, see, I mean, I love it. I love it. So it's, it's know, real. You know, those, those are things that are unique to the tournament that you would probably not get anywhere else because of the way I brand it, the way that I, you know, totally um, dedicate the course and all of the merch to the honorees. And they've never seen themselves in a golf context celebrated in that way, right? Any of those people, whether it be Anthony Anderson or Doug Williams or Alonzo or Sifrin, and you come and like the flags are dedicated to you, the merch, the hats, it's like, you and know, let me talk really about, does. wait, can we talk about the merch? I know Nike is just sponsored, but I still have the Converse sneakers, the little pink thing on it. Everybody, we got custom well, Converse, Converse sneakers. Converse, so we can still talk oh, about Okay, it. all right. So I got, because I everybody knows I love some Chucks. So they, they I have some custom OTGC Converse sneakers with some pink on it. And I don't know if anybody can appreciate the fact how much I appreciate pink and Converse together. So we can talk about that. But what we can't gloss over, and, and you kind of mentioned it, but we didn't really talk about it. Well, one thing, side note for all the people that don't know, the fun fact is that Luke Campbell from Two Life Crew, his brother actually owns a golf course in Florida. So if you are looking for a Black-owned golf course to go play at, um, I'm not getting paid for this promotion, but I will say, find yourself down to, what part of Florida is that? Uh, I forget, but Stanley Campbell, his name it's like is. Hope, it's Hope Sound. I think it's Hope Sound. Maybe Hope Sound. Hope well, Sound. I'll put it in the show notes. We'll figure it out. I'll put it in the show notes, but Martin, he's in Martin Downs. That's what it is. Martin, Martin Downs, Martin Florida. Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so go visit his golf course and play around and support um, Black-owned golf courses. But to not gloss over, so you mentioned the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I honestly didn't really know what that was shamelessly until Charlie Sifford got <laughs> presented with it. So I didn't even know what this thing was until um, you did that work. And I don't think people can understand two things about you. One, you're rooted in civic engagement from your childhood. So talk to us more about who Wendell is as a person that's always been familiar and tied to changing um, outcomes for people of color. Just talk to us about like your original story. I'm gonna keep using that. You know, I'll tell you, you know, I tell everyone, you know, I'm an Urban League baby. You know, my dad, my mother was from the South, Richmond, Virginia. And my dad was from the North, Binghamton, you know, Binghamton, um, Binghamton, New York. But my dad was pretty much a civil, uh, involved in civil rights as his career path. Right. So he started out very early on starting boys clubs. And first of all, my dad was the black, first black, at, first black running back at Syracuse. Right. So having that legacy behind him, him being my dad, always exposing me to sports because he was a huge sports fan, not golf, though, but sports. Uh, so sports was always in my household. And so was just the ongoing uh, value and threat of civil rights and equal opportunity. You know, I've, I've been seeing the equal sign all my life because that was on my dad's pins, his lapels, his and I've been going to Urban League conferences and Urban League events. You know, my dad was born in 28. So, you know, he he started the Urban League work, working for Whitney Young, who was one of the, you know, the first, you know, uh, first uh, heads of the, of the Urban League. And then he went, he worked for Vernon Jordan. He worked for um, John Jacob and Hugh Price. So he went through many years of leadership. And it also had him moving from, you know, he was in Milwaukee and then he was in Maryland and D.C. where I was born. And he would move from D.C. to New York and North Jersey when he went, went to work for the National Urban League headquarters. Right. So, um, you know, my dad fought for and advocated for human rights, civil rights, um, equal housing, um, equal jobs, equal pay. All of those things were, you know, a part of my upbringing. And. He was always involved with kids from all of his time with the boys club and sports. Right. 
So these were things that were ingrained in me just by my natural environment. I always tell people, I don't have to think about like helping black people and what I do for them. This is what's in my DNA and just what I do in terms of everything that I create, right? So it was in music at one time and sports and with, you know, hip hop and R&B music and things of that nature. And then when I got into golf, I thought there was a huge void there. And I thought I could really be a difference maker and kind of carry the similar type of work that my dad did to the golf space, advocating for people of color, not only in our recognition, like, you know, separate in the Medal of Freedom, but with jobs and opportunities and bringing up young people under me to give them opportunities to make a living for themselves, to make money, to, you know, to be a part of this golf economy, so we speak, right? So I've always advocated for those things very openly and freely. And that's really what I'm about because that's fundamentally how I'm wired and how I'm built. So wait, we have to talk about the the Medal of Freedom. So we didn't even get to like the future stuff and the current stuff, but we're the Medal of Freedom part, I think that's very important because I don't think people can grasp how complicated it is to position someone to actually receive it and really know like, like how, how did that even start? How did that conversation start? And how did we get to that 2014 um, honoring of Charlie Sifford? Well, I, one, I just told you a little bit about my background, right? Yes. Which is my dad's relationships, right? Which I'm fortunate to have some of those inf- many influences and relationships in my life. My dad was a star athlete at Syracuse and Urban League executive. So, you know, he made common trips to the White House as a young person and probably met with every president. And I'd see pictures in the house of him with, you know, the U.S. president or shaking Nancy Reagan's hand and all these kind of things. Right. And then on the sports side, you know, Jim Brown was a Syracuse running back. My dad came from a family of Syracuse running backs, which he was one of which he was the first. People always ask me when I say my dad was the first running back at black running back at Syracuse. They say before Jim Brown and Ernie Davis. And I'm like the first, you know what the first means. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew those people in my upbringing because of their fraternity of Syracuse running backs and football players. And my dad also went to school with his roommate at one time was Al Davis, who went on to, to, uh, you know, to start the Oakland Raiders. Right. So. when I got when I got into golf, I had the network of my own, right? Of course, within sports and music, which was my generation and my peers of executives. And then I also had this access to the Jim Browns of the world and the Vernon Jordans and the John Jacobs and all these folks. So it made my network, uh, particularly in in uh, of black influence, very strong, right? And then then through golf and all of the things that I was doing at Original Tee. I had access to um, other black executives who were in high finance, like the Ken Chenaults and all those folks that I met through golf. And uh, so my uh, my network was pretty strong in terms of who was in my I, I, I was going to say Rolodex, but the young <laughs> people say Rolodex. You say you're like what? <laughs> the roller so, who i'm gonna have to put a, a, a screenshot in my, of in, in my contacts now it was a pretty <laughs> list of people that i could call on and then when i got the job at the pga of america and went to the pga to head up diversity and inclusion i don't i already told you my background in terms of immersing myself in the history of the game right knowing who all of these people were um i'd gone to the pga show actually met Charlie Sifford in person. He was just walking the floor. You know, there were so few black people there that I, I, I almost, I walked up and introduced myself to every single one of them. One was Charlie Sifford. The other one was Lee Elder. And the other one was Pete McDaniel. Right. And I met him the first time I ever went to a PGA show just by, Hey, who are you? Yeah. I, I asked Charlie Sifford that day if I could take him to lunch. Yeah, sure. We went and sat down in the cafeteria at the, uh, in the Orlando, um, convention center took him to lunch we exchanged information he gave me his number you know i at that that was probably about 2001 or 2002 or something of that nature uh and then several years later come 2006 or something i, I said i want to start having honorees at my tournament and who better to start with than charlie sifford you know mm-hmm. like and so he would set the tone for me to have honorees every year and, and then, you know, I originally intended for it to be the Charlie Sifford Award to honor him every year with all of these great icons. Right. That's a whole nother story. But 
he came, we established a great relationship, a great friendship. This was before I had any idea that I would ever work for the PGA, right? That, that was, that happened years later, but, but, uh, I honor him at my tournament and we became great friends, literally like great friends. Like Charlie Sifford would call me on the phone, like playing on the phone, disguising his voice. <laughs> After coming to the original T golf classic, he told me, he said, one, he told me something that stuck with me forever because when he came, the tournament was on two golf courses. We had a full 140 on one and we had like 60 players or something on the other course or whatever it was. And uh, he said, and he wasn't in the best of health then either, but we, we spent four days together, you know? So he said, and this, this, is the most, this is the most black people I've ever seen on a golf course in my entire life. And I said, what? I said, in your whole life, you've never seen this many black people on a golf course? He said, never. Where would I be where I could see all this many black people on a golf course? He said, man, you like the president. That's what he said to me. You like the president, man. I said, well, man, you know, we're all here for you and to celebrate you and have a good time. He couldn't play at that time because he wasn't in the best of health. He hit a few balls, which was still amazing and fascinating. And everybody was enthralled to, to watch him just swing a golf club. And it was still like, it was, I mean, he hit the ball and it was like clickety click. You know what I mean? Like he had, his leg was ailing a little bit. He was on a cane. Somebody said, would you mind hitting a few balls? He took my club and hit him better than I've ever hit him <laughs> in my entire life. I mean, you know, there was no, you know, you didn't hear any grass hit till after the contact with the ball. I mean, just. Right, right. You'd be like, every time I try to blame the equipment, here comes somebody that makes me say, I think it's he me. Just, he just, give me one of those clubs. He took like a seven irons and just <laughs> he hit it right, hit it over the tree right there, Charlie. I mean, he hit a couple of balls and it was just delightful. But so I, I established my personal relationship with him from original T, right? Then when I got the job at the PGA of America, I said to myself, what, what better way to start my time here and a new chapter at this organization in terms of diversity and inclusion and and recognizing other people's contributions and culture, particularly when it comes to black people, which I am, right? Um, than to recognize Charlie Sifford in the highest way possible, just like baseball honors Jackie Robinson. Yep. Right? So obviously golf did not have that any kind of real recognition for Cypriot. He received some awards and things of that nature here and there over his time. Um, but I said, I want to make sure he gets top of the top recognition. And the timing just happened to be right. You know, Obama's in the White House. Obama's a golfer. Right? Yeah. yeah. And through my network, I know people that know President Obama that play golf with him, right? You know, Ray Allen, Alonzo Mourning, I'm watching those guys play Cyrus Walker and whole. So I'm like, I, I, I could, and, and here I am in an official capacity at the PGA, right? So right, like, right. It's like the stars are aligned. The stars are aligned. Let's use this to do the greater good for a great legend and a hero and the people, you know, and make sure that this man gets the recognition that he deserves. So I proposed it, you know, to, um, you know, the higher ups at the PGA set up was something that I wanted to get done. I also proposed at the same time that Lee Elder be the open the start the starter at the Masters, but that's a whole nother story. But I, that one really wasn't able to get the traction that it needed for kind of like political reasons, right? Yeah. But yeah. the different different thing, you know, I talked to Alonzo Morning. Actually, one of our mutual friends who was playing with Zoe, a guy named Melvin Rowan, said Wendell's trying to get something done at the PGA. Talk to Alonzo, um, which next time you're with Obama, could you see what it would take to get Sifford the Presidential Medal of, you know, Medal of no, Freedom? Just, just on the side, just like while you're spending those four or five hours, just mention it. You got a plenty of time to talk. But exactly. I'm going to tell you the, un the unnerving thing was that I would read that Zoe played golf with Obama, like in Florida or, or um, Martha's Vineyard. So, so I would call Zoe and be like, did you ask, you know, did you ask the president about the thing? No, no, I didn't ask. He's <laughs> like, it was just, I, we were talking about other stuff. And I'm like, how often are you going to be ha have this opportunity, right? I'm thinking like the window, you don't play golf with the president every day, right? Right, so, right, right. How could you not ask him at this time playing golf 
to talk about the Jackie Robinson of golf, right, and use that opportunity. So Zoe played with with uh, President Obama two times without asking him about Stifford. <laughs> and then, you know, third time was the charm, I guess. I would just happen to be in my office um, at the PGA, got a call from Alonzo Morning, and he gave me the directives. Hey, man, because Alonzo didn't know who Charlie Stifford was. I said, well, when you talk to when you talk to Barack Obama, he'll know who Charlie Sifford is. I mean, I educated Zoe on who Sifford was. He's like, oh, OK, OK, I'll, I'll ask him and see what, you know. So he understood the, the gravity of it. Right. In terms of, OK, he's the Jackie Robinson of golf. Let me let me ask him. And lo and behold, when he asked uh, President Obama, he was like, yeah, absolutely. He'd be worthy of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Tell tell your friend this is what he has to do. <laughs> I love it because I was, I can just, I can kind of envision it like we're all visually there. <laughs> he said, "Tell your friend this is exactly what he has to do. Contact the liaison for sports at the uh, at the um, at the White House. His name is David Dietz." So Zoe called me with all of my directors. Barack said that would be possible, but this is how it gets done. Write this guy's name down. His name is David Dietz. Email him or reach out to him. Um, but you have to get all of these letters written on behalf of the potential um, honoree or recipient, you know, from notable people who say that he's worthy of this honor. So once I got that, I contacted Dietz and he said, you know, as you get these letters written, send them to the White House, you know, send them to me and we'll, and then eventually what happens is the process of review is once you get all of those recommendation letters, there's at some point a meeting with the president and they review all of them, review who all of those potential candidates are. And then it's ultimately up to him to decide who the recipients are going to be for that year. So I said, OK, I think I can do that. I think I can get some really reputable people to, uh, you know, to write some letters. So my strategy was to start with the, uh, you know, the most recognizable icons from every sport baseball, basketball, and football. I already knew Jim Brown, right, from Syracuse and my dad. I'm, I, I didn't have a relationship with Bill Russell, but I knew Dr. J, I knew Clyde Drexler. They were close with Bill Russell. I had a great relationship with the NBA. So I'm like, if I can get Bill Russell, I also knew Vernon Jordan, right? So I said, okay, so if I can get, start with, if I can start with, Jim Brown writing a letter, then Bill Russell writing the letter, maybe get Hank Aaron or, to write a letter, um, which I wasn't able to get H Hank Aaron, but I, I probably did even one better. I got Rachel Robinson to write a letter. It was Jackie Robinson's wife. I got basketball and football to start. So, and so I'm saying to myself, once I get these three people to write a letter and Vernon Jordan, who wouldn't write one? You know, yeah. so I so that's essentially how I started. Like, hey, you know, it was a snowball effect. And this was, these were letters that it took several months to accumulate, which ended up being about 40 letters written to the president from everyone from the people that I just mentioned, Alonzo Mourning included, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Jesse Jackson, Renee Powell. Um, you know, that's the book uh, I want to read. That's the book I want to read. I, I want a forward by Wendell Haskins. I want a little something by Alonzo Morton, a little something by President Obama, then the letters and then the pictures in a photo album. And you can give me a thank you at the end, but I'll buy that book. Can I tell you something? <laughs> I, I made a book of all of the letters. Once, the, once it happened, the picture of Charlie Sifford receiving the medal and Obama putting it around his neck is the cover of the book. You open the book and it has all of the letters in it. Every single letter that was written, Sam Jackson, all these folks. So I made a coffee table book out of all of the letters and I gave them exclusively to the people who have written them. Um, I want my copy. I want to buy a copy. I think everybody else does too. Because in the end, these are the stories that, hi that history is made of, right? Like no one understands the gravity. To bring community together in that way to affect change. When we look at the things that are happening in our community, imagine if we could do that around every issue and every cause to be able to pull all of the powerhouses around one single issue and move the needle. Like it's, it's possible. I think people just need reminders. So I think that book is a nice little reminder. I'll take my copy. Yeah. 
Y'all can the get next along. Time I see you, look, I, as a matter of fact, I'm coming to New York soon. I'll share with you when I'm coming to New York. Maybe I'll bring the book with me. At least, <laughs> at least so you can, maybe we can meet for coffee really quick that day. And at least I'll show it to you. <laughs> I get to see it. Y'all hear this? Do y'all hear this? <laughs> I, will, I will show it to you because it is, it's a keepsake. It's, it's a, you know, an heirloom. It's something I'll always cherish. And, you know, I will, you know, me having that link with Charlie Sifford to give him to be behind, to be the person who was behind giving him probably the huge, hugest recognition of his lifetime, what it meant to him, what it meant to his family, what it meant to his legacy is one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done for another human, you know, so and probably my biggest accomplishment for me personally in golf to have met Charlie Sifford, to have to come to my tournament to establish a relationship with him and to get him the highest honor right before, you know. Yeah, before. Right and that. look, the first black president was the one that was able to give it to him. I'm like, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot. I'm like, it's, it's a lot. So I'm extremely proud of that. Um, and um, later on, the thing with Lee Elder happened and that that's a whole nother story within itself. And that was uh, because of a series of events and other relationships that I, that I had that was, that was, able to get that done. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen in 2015, which I think would have been the, the, you know, the ideal time for it to happen. But certain other things had to take place. Obviously, you know, George Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot act like people were ignoring very simple calls to action and then wait until like something that has to show or I want to say showcase. Is it perform, perform, perform? an act of service that thanks a community that has always been there. So if we could talk about that in different ways. Oh yeah, that's, whole nother, that's a deeper conversation and certainly being a diversity and inclusion advocate and expert, you know, that's a deeper dive into why some of those things happen and why, why they don't happen when, you know, you're continuously knocking on the door with these great ideas and things that'll bring communities together and, and, um, and kind of fall on deaf ears until something tragic happens or something, you know, a, a, a huge national occurrence that prompts action has to happen for these conversations to happen and for some simple things just to be be um, executed. I've knocked on doors to many, many companies, golf companies, you know, corporate America for many, many years. And people didn't want to, you know, either weren't able to support it, didn't find it, you know, either worthy of support, had no interest in it and so forth. And some of those conversations are different in the last uh, two to three years. And they're doors that I've knocked on for 15 years. Perseverance is the word that keeps coming up. Like, you know, I've been, you know, like I've been consistent. I always do what I'm capable of doing and I'm doing my part. And that's all I can be responsible for. Right. I control whatever my controllables are. I'm true. I'm authentic to myself, to my culture, to the people who, I provide the experience for. I always try to give everybody more than what they expect, you know, create um, all kinds of uh, new and exclusives and introduce them to new products, whether it be Shea Moisture or Stance Socks or Titleist. Bat- I mean, always trying to give you guys, you know, something to look forward to year after year, including the honoree. Because now, yeah. you know, you know, my tournament has a reputation of always having this great honor pre year, which puts a lot of pressure on me because I'm like, I have to go out and find this person, these people. I don't always necessarily have a, you know, a first generation relationship with them. But now the tournament has taken on uh, a, quite a reputation of its own and certainly bringing in people like Nike and some of my other brands makes it easier because, you know, certainly the tournament has been it's been a big deal in in a in a boutique circle. Yeah. Very influential people, right? So, you know, the word has spread and people know about it, but the people who know, like they really know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not on, you know, it's not on Golf Channel. It's not like the, you know, the uh American Century or anything of that nature. But in terms of of New York City and black culture and all that, this is this is it's pretty special and you can, you know, we just that. need some time to get it to Byron Allen. That's all. I'm just, you know, I put hey, my thoughts out know. there. It just needs a little bit of time to be on the Grio channel. You know, he's acquiring assets right now to tell you know stories. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to put it out there. You, you put it out there, but I'm going to tell you, 
I just talked to someone from Byron Allen. He just did a big HBCU deal, right? So that might happen. So I'm going to use this clip when you're done, and I'm going to send it to them to say, look, the people are asking for this. So <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and from my mouth to God's ear, let's do that. Let's talk about that. But some of the things we haven't talked about is like, what are some of your favorite golf courses? You've played everywhere. I see you've played with some amazing people and talk to me about like some of your favorite courses. So what are some of the favorite tracks? Oh man. You know, I've been fortunate enough to play some amazing golf courses, both home and abroad. And, um, I like all, you know, many of them for, for, different reasons, right? So everything from Diker Beach, which is in Brooklyn, right? Because <laughs> that's where I learned to play the game and get up early. And I knew every hole, you know, by memory. And could I could probably tell you right now, if they haven't changed the routing, what every hole looks like on Diker Beach, right? Because I played so many rounds of golf there when I was first starting out. So, I, you know, I'm not, I know that's not on anybody's top 100, <laughs> but it's certainly, on my, it's certainly on my list of most uh, influential for me. And uh, and then I got introduced to um, kind of country club golf from invitations from other folks. One of them was my dear friend and mentor, a guy named Anthony Spikes, who's just a heck of a human being and a really advanced golfer. I had no idea who I was meeting at the time. A friend of mine was like, you're doing all of this golf stuff. You're in New York. You need to meet this guy named Spikes. No idea what his background was, but he was a, you know, he was a high, fi- you know, high finance guy. He worked at City at the time went over and met him because I had all of these ambitions about doing things in golf. And he was just, he couldn't have been more gracious, more kind, more inviting, and really became a friend and mentor to me. And quite honestly, through that relationship with Spikes many years later, it was because of him, the introduction he made for me that got me to the PGA of America because he knew someone who ended up being the CEO. So but uh, he belonged to a place called, um, in Jersey, where did he belong? Hamilton Farm, right? So Hamilton Farm, he said, Haskins, you, you know, I can tell all of this stuff that you're doing. You really love golf. Now, mind you, I've probably been playing golf at that time for like two years or three years, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm probably still like a 23 handicap or whatever it was, but, you know, but high handicapper by you know, by every sense of the word, just learning the game, but loving it. And he just picked up on my enthusiasm because he had a similar passion for the game. Now, mind you, Spikes was a plus two, right? He's on the (laughs) other side of the game. But in terms of him welcoming me, showing me the game, being patient, um, being encouraging, making other introductions for me, for golf and the things that I was doing, he started coming to my tournament and was just really impressed because he had been playing golf since junior golf. So he said, Haskins, I've been playing golf all my life since I was a kid and I'm coming to your tournament and I see all of this influence that you're having over all of these people and particularly all of these young black kids. He said, you're, you're growing the game better than, you know, just the, uh, the governing bodies of golf. I want to make sure I introduce you to some people, man, because you need some support. And that was gracious, you know, and, uh, he introduced me. He said he arranged a meeting for me to go to the USGA and meet with them about my tournament. At that meeting, I met a guy named Pete Bavacqua, who we all went to dinner together. He, I, you know, myself, Spikes, Pete, went to a couple dinners and lunches, kept in touch. You know, a few years later, Pete Bavacqua ended up being the CEO of the PGA of America. So that's how I got to the PGA of America. He said, what you're doing is fabulous. Like the sports community, the entertainment community, you're getting all these sponsors and doing this stuff on your own. Come over to the PGA and do some of that stuff here. And that's how I got there. And it was really because of Spikes and his generosity and his willingness to make introductions. And that really changed my life in a lot of ways, just because I moved to Florida from Brooklyn, really here in Florida. And now I've been living in Florida for eight years. And got involved in, in professional golf, which I'd never anticipated from the things that I was doing that I would end up being an executive in golf. But certainly it was something that I embraced and, um, and welcomed the challenge and the opportunity to do that. And some of the things that I've been able to accomplish 
while while working there and continue to do, um, I find are just uh, rewarding and meaningful. And I hope, you know, many of the other people that I've helped who are doing amazing things, Omari Avery and, you know, Earl Cooper, who's doing, you know, Eastside Golf and Elijah Wan and all these other folks and, you know, bringing Steph Curry in while I was at the PGA to be an ambassador for Junior League Golf and all of these wonderful things that I've been able to do that have really advanced the game. And like you said, I know I've had some influence on a lot of different areas of the game. And um, I'm thankful that I've been given the opportunity to do that. And I still have some other things up my sleeve. What are some of the things that you're working on? So like for everyone listening, you better keep your eyes open for the original tea for 2023 because it fills up quickly and you don't want to miss out. So, you know, when the registration opens, be sure to act quickly um, and do what you need to do. There are hotel rooms available if you need to fly in. Um, So there are no excuses. The only other excuse would be that you're physically not here in America. That would be mine usually, but I know because you missed me. I was, you know, <laughs> I, did, I, I, did. I, I personally track you down every year, ever since I've met you, and ever since you've been at the my star player and the best dressed in everything in every category at Original T. Like you're you're actually a draw, you know, like you're a draw oh. at Original Like I, you I put me with some good players too. So like a lot of like you put me with some good players. It was always a good time and just good people. And you know, I think that that's what people don't recognize. You have to show up how you want to be received as well. Because if you go to a golf tournament and you don't talk to anybody, then no, you're not going to meet anyone. But if you go and you start to like just kind of hear everyone's story, you'll start to see like everyone's here and it's a community. But you have to be open to having that conversation too. And that's one thing I learned at your tournament. No, and you come with a lot of spirit, which is what I love about you. Every year you come with spirit. Even when you were just learning, I told you, I said, I'm going to put you in good company and I'm going to make sure that you have a good time or with some people that you're going to enjoy and that will appreciate you and you're going to have a great experience. And uh, you don't play. Like you, you were one of the first people to come up to me and say, you see what I got on? You see this? <laughs> yeah. I should be winning best dress. I just need to tell you. Yes. Okay, okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I forgot that. I sure did say that. Okay, so talk to me about what you're working on, though, because I think that, like, there are different avenues that you're also, like, you started Club Life just to give people a taste of what it is to showcase this conversation. Now, like I said, it, need to be on a, it needs to be on our network, but that's a whole different conversation. A lot of things, yeah. So I, I created a show, a lifestyle show called Club Life that I'm still looking for sponsorship partners for, but it launched on CBS Sports Network. So that's still in the works. And, and uh, you know, it's a show where I go and go to people's clubs interview them about what they love about golf, how they got into the game, the equipment they're playing, the clothes they're wearing, all of the cool things that we want to know about everybody who's playing. I, I shot the first two pilot episodes with uh, one with Kevin Lyles, who's a music executive and friend of mine at his club at Alpine in New Jersey. And I shot a, another episode with Gary Sheffield, the former MLB player at his club of Carrollwood in Tampa. And, you know, I still have a lot of folks lined up ready to shoot more episodes. I'm just waiting for the waiting for sponsors to jump on board to support this so I can continue to bring all of that to the world. Uh, so that that's one thing. Then, of course, I'm here in South Florida in the West Palm area. There's some really great golf projects that are developing here in the West Palm area that I'm going to be a part of. Can't share what they are at this time, but they're, they're, they're big and, and really exciting. So I'm excited about that. And then, of course, the original T tournament. And as I said, Nike's my partner now. So that makes it a lot more exciting. They're my community supporter, community, community support partner. So they lend tremendous resources. They came and did an amazing job. Like the support that they give me for the kids and the experience that they um, provide along with my staff and our people, what we already do, it just enhanced everything that we already do. So imagine what you already know and have experienced elevated even higher. So they have some big plans. Uh, for Original T Golf Classic in the future. And we're talking about some really exciting stuff together in terms of, you know, the talent that they'll help me to bring in for honorees, uh, the level of execution of the tournament, what they're going to do with the kids. You know, I have a 25-year anniversary that's going to be coming up. It'll be in 2024, right? So Nike is totally behind that, and they want that to be, the most memorable one of all 
how do you top how do you top these things i'm I'm, people y'all need to get ready because i don't know if you saw what i've seen over the past few years i don't know how we top whatever like i don't know how we top do i get a whole outfit like i don't even understand where we're going with it (laughs) no you're gonna get you're gonna have to have the whole you you're gonna have to prepare for that like a year in advance to make sure (laughs) everything is just is just the way you want it to be because what they're talking about with me for 25 year anniversary is kind of blowing my mind. And I'm like, okay, this is Nike, right? So uh, just think about the power of Nike and the potential that's possible when they get behind you and get behind you 110%, which, yeah. which they totally have. So I'm excited about that, more excited than I've been in a long time. I mean, I'm, I get excited about this every year because it's my, my project, my baby, and, and you know what I put into it year after year. And now that they've come on board, it's just given me, uh, you know, uh, it's given me a new lease on like, like, you know, like just a new energy. We need to be able to see what's possible when a brand truly supports people. Right. Like, I think that half the challenge we we can't you can't imagine what you've never seen. So the the fact that there are these opportunities, it's like now I know how to ask for bigger and now I know what's possible and I now I know who really are aligned with the goal and the vision of what we're saying and they're putting their money where their mouth is and that's a great story to tell as well oh it's super exciting and look at you like you went from you went from <laughs> it's not about me people, where do i find people to play golf with do you know anybody that i can you know you know any other women in new york and uh, i was like i would be trying to connect you with people <laughs> in groups then you would get invited to certain things from some of my friends i'd see pictures and get phone calls like how did you get invited to that not, and, I'm, and I'm here in Florida. Right. Now, you know, you're podcasting, you're doing events, you got your own tournament going on. Look at you. It's like you went from zero to 100 in that period of time. You know what? I'm just following the leader here, you know, and I think that that's where we really have to. And 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 I was saying to everyone that this these these are my last two episodes and I wanted to finish strong and finish where we started. So really looking at like my growth in the game is by watching and understanding the influence and then appreciating and paying back. So yeah, we're here for a reason, everything. Thank you for that. Um, But it's also being able to see that things are possible and being able to see that there is a lane for us. I, without you, I don't, I don't know that I would have ever seen that. And to this day, no, let's be honest. When you look at it, there's nothing else that really tells that story of black professionals in golf. And as you see, you can bring your authentic self to the golf space and be exactly who you are. Yeah, and bring, exactly. And, and and bring that all of that beauty to the golf course and yeah. uh, and and enjoy yourself and be a blessing to others and others be a blessing upon you. So that's really what it's all about. So I feel like this is a good place to end because that right there was a gem of wisdom that everyone should take away and really reflect on. Any last words? OriginalT.com, you know, I got a, I have apparel and merch and stuff out now. So go to OriginalT.com. I have some really cool stuff there, too. T-shirts and hats and sweatshirts and some light merch. And there's going to be a boost in that come 2023 as well. And uh, I'll probably open up registration really early this year. Once uh, Nike and I work out the details of who the honoree is, I'll probably open up registration uh, before the end of the year. Um, and either in December or early January, it depends, but it comes up fast, you know, yeah. every year. So like it's here again. It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm it's January and it's like five months away. And like, you can also, anybody who's listening, go to originalt.com and just subscribe. Subscribing just means you send me your email address to, to originalt.com so I can add you to the mailing list and you can, um, get information on everything that goes on. And then when the events happen and registration opens and all that good stuff. So. That's it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on Tease Me. Thanks for having me as a guest, Latoya. It was great to see you. You too. So there you have it. Wenzel Haskins, the original architect, built the bridge between golf culture style and just making it really cool. If you've listened closely, what you understand is that sometimes people behind the scenes are making changes in the industry that we just start to see now. 15 years of grinding brings us to the golf we see today, and who knows where it will go tomorrow. If you haven't been to the Original Tee Golf Outing, I suggest that you look at some of the photos and look at some of the amazing footage that they've captured over the years. From 
Charlie Sifford, to Lee Elder, to Renee Powell, Beverly Johnson. These are also celebrities. So it's a really good time, really great people, but you have to come and show up the way that you want to be received. And I say this is true for any golf outing that you attend. How do you want to be received? Be personable, meet people, work the room, or just meet the people that you want to be around whatever. It's your choice. However you show up is however it will be. What I love about the golf outing is that I've had the honor of playing with some really outstanding people. Thank you, Wenzel, for creating a space for us to demonstrate excellence on the golf course. And thank you all for joining me on another episode of Tease Me.